We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Rob Hummel, and he's been running, man. You've been working. I'll give you. I'll give you credit. You've been grinding here. Yeah, now five games since Tuesday through Sunday. It was good though. I got to see a lot of a lot of good teams and some good games. Um, I got to give a shout out to Brandon God, and I got to work with Brandon more. Whenever you're with him, he's been getting like you know, new records, buzzer yeah. beater, Georgetown, Syracuse, you know, Ohio State, Florida. We're calling him. We're calling him Gus God now. He's the new <laughs> best guy. Yeah, no doubt. Who who would have thought that Purdue Rutgers game would be? Uh, uh, Purdue Rutgers, Purdue NC State. Yeah. Both both good games. No, really good games. Really good games. You know, I was thinking. During the NC State game, this is when Purdue was down like 10. I was like, you know, the last three games I have now called for Purdue, thinking they were going to lose to NC State with the way they were playing. Yeah. It would be NC State, Rutgers, North Texas. Ooh, <laughs> it's been boy. like they're, they're going to take me off the Purdue games because, man, they're, they just haven't played very well in the games that I've, I've seen. Um, but, yeah, kind of a weird week out east for them. They, they did not – didn't didn't play great. Didn't shoot it great. And I think their shooting has matched a lot of yeah. these small deficiencies that kind of caught up to to get them at Rutgers. Well, everybody kind of thought, and and you did even in the preseason too. Everybody was like, "Well, they're a better shooting team than what they showed a year ago," and they are. They are, but they're still not a great shooting team. They do it yeah, collectively. To me, that's TBD. I think they they can be. Um, they weren't last year. I, I feel like they, they and they as in the coaches felt that they were a group that didn't shoot it as well as their, their abilities said they should. And they probably started a little bit above what they are this year. What they were shooting 44% for three. Yeah. Um, so some of those guys that have kind of come back to earth, I, their point guard play offensively. And I know that that's, that's your favorite term. That's, that's my deal. It's my deal. I'm going to hit you on it now. Yeah. I, Isaiah Thompson has, has kind of been a non-factor. He's just kind of been out there the last couple of games. Whereas Villanova, he's making big shots. I think teams are, are playing Travion Williams and Zach Eady straight up. And some of those looks that were coming from post-traps aren't there. And Isaiah Thompson's a really good shooter, but he's, he's not the biggest guard you're going to see out there. He doesn't have – Great size. 
Um, Eric Conner is more of a defensive player. He made a big three at Rutgers, made a huge defensive play late against NC State. Um, but yeah, that, that's the point guard play has, has been an issue. They're not shooting as well. And honestly, NC State, I thought defensively for 32 minutes, they were just awful. I mean, as a team like that, and when, when you play on a team that is elite in college basketball, you, you dictate things. You, you impose your will on people. You, whether that's on both ends. Yeah. I think Purdue does it drawn in the post. They, they definitely do that. Um, but defensively, and I know that they're, they're never going to be what Purdue was when I was playing because the rules have changed. And I think Coach Parent's philosophy has changed. And, and you were such that. a good defender. You were such an elite defender, too, that, you know. Listen, I'm a good team defender, <laughs> and I understand positioning. I'm a great health defender. And at yeah. the college level, I'm a pretty good defender. NBA, no. I'm not, I'm not going to say that I was a good NBA defender. But we would pressure yeah. I mean, we would take the passing lanes away and we'd get out and do that. And they'd stop doing that and because you'd fall out with the, the rules now. Um, but I, I think that defensively, they weren't getting over screens, which means the big has to help on ball screen action, which means the weak side has to be in. And these skip that. I mean, they're, they're wide open shots. So I, I thought the last eight minutes, they were really good at, at dictating how NC State was going to play keeping them on a side in their ball screen action, they, they were much better. I mean, you talk about imposing your will. They, they finally did that. And there was there was probably some, there was some funky calls under the game. Uh, I know Kevin Keith probably wasn't, wasn't <laughs> the happiest with the officiating, but um, no. Yeah, didn't, didn't he say you ruined the game? I, I was kind of reading his lips. He was basically like, you ruined a great game. Yeah, you ruined a great game or you knew who was going to win or something yeah. like that. He, he got attacked, you know. I also, you know, I was talking with uh, with Bobby Riddell, who I played with, and Bobby really knows the game. He's doing the radio for for Purdue, so he sees him a ton. And we were just talking about how you know, Jay Nivey is so electric in transition, but in the half court they throw the ball inside yeah. so much, and, and rightfully so. Trayvon Williams is a freaking monster. You, you can't stop. I honestly think I'm telling you, if you you give the ball one big man, and I know there's Kofi, I know there's Hunter, I know there's a lot of good bigs in the post. I don't think there's anybody I want to have the ball in his hands in the post. I, I think he's got to be one of the, if not one of the best, the best score from the block. In and he can pass it. And he can he pass, pass it, Rob. He can handle it. I mean, he's like going behind his back. Yes. And like yes. <laughs> he's really skilled. But I think that you need to find ways to get Jaden Ivey going downhill. And this, is, this was Bobby Riddell's thought, and I'm kind of regurgitating it here. But we, we used to run a, a flat ball screen series for Lewis Jackson, where he'd be a half court, Juwan Johnson would go up, ball screen. You're going downhill much in like a transition situation. I think Jaden's done a nice job this year of when he's in that, spraying it out to those shooters behind him, the yeah. opposite corner. Um, the strong side's normally going to be covered up, but I think you get him going downhill, and then that, that gives him the ability – to kind of simulate that transition, and you can raise one of your shooters behind him, Mason Gillis, Caleb Burst, and some of these guys that haven't maybe found shots. So you're rolling those bigs, you're replacing. I, it's Bobby was saying this, and I was like, dude, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'd love. They need to get Jaden more involved. I think in the half court. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, right? Is is when I was talking to Payne at Mohegan Sun, that was one of the things I asked him. I said, you know, why wouldn't you play Jaden Ivy a little bit more? at the point, like de facto yeah. point guard. 
And I think his his take was he's great in transition at it, but but he's still got to learn some things in, in the half court. But I think now's the time, Rob. Now now's the time to figure that out. You're good enough. You're going to be a tournament team anyway. You've already done enough in 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 the preseason. You're you're fighting for Steve. Like Owen. Yeah, you know, right. which they're not. They're not going to go. So why not figure out the way you want to play in, in March? Because ultimately, if you're Matt Painter right now, you should be preparing honestly for March. Whatever seed you are, whether you're a four, whether you're a one, it doesn't matter if you're Purdue. If you're if you're clicking at all cylinders, you can be anybody. You've already yeah, proven that. I will say, though, it does matter in the sense that if you're a one or two, your chances exponentially go up to advance and geographically. Indianapolis is a first and second round site. Yeah. Chicago is a second weekend site. It does matter. Yeah. It does matter for those reasons. All I'm saying is it, it's worth – Your point is very valid. It's worth a loss. Right. It's worth a loss to be able to put something in and, and, and let Jaden Ivey make mistakes now that he doesn't make come March, hopefully. He's comfortable playing the way you're talking about playing him, utilizing him a little bit differently, giving him – a because, again, I'll get back to it. They're point guards to me. They're backup point guards. That's what they are to me. Like, everybody else has to do their thing in order to mask kind of their point guard deficiencies. They're solid, but they're not, they're not guys – again, Thompson was great. Well, Why? Every three he took was uncontested. Nobody was within two feet of him at Mohegan Sun. Yep. No, he, and that's, I think teams have changed their philosophy on Purdue. They're going to say, look, we got to just play these guys straight up. If yeah. we give up some twos, fine. And, and honestly, these bigs that they faced, Ebenezer Dewana, he held his own and yeah. they didn't send him any help. He ended up fouling out. Um, Cliff Amore at Rutgers, same deal. I mean, he, he really pushed those guys off the, the block and made life tough on them. Um, I just think as well, Purdue needs a little bit of an edge. And they're going to see – I think Rutgers kind of was a template for maybe how to defend them. Just be so physical, dare the refs to call fouls. Yeah. And Caleb McConnell was just blowing up plays. I mean – He plays up. hard, man. He gets his hands on a lot of shit. Defensively, he is a yeah. stud. And his yeah. offense was really, really – Lost start of the year. I think he started out five of thirty from the field. Yeah, but he's coming along. He's starting to make some shots, and I, I love watching him play on defense. He he is a problem. All right, moving on. The Baylor Bears are now the number one team in the country, um, which doesn't sound so crazy unless you put it into context. You know, they lose four starters from last year, two NBA players. They've now been ranked number one each of the last three years. They've lost six games in the last uh, two-plus seasons now, you know, and, and one of them uh, was at Kansas when they came right back off COVID last year. Otherwise, their only other loss was, was Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament, which ended up being a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. But um, what Scott Drew there has done is, I've said it, it's beyond remarkable. Like, they should put him in the Hall of Fame right now, Rob. Put him in right now, because – what he's done might be more impressive than almost anything else that has been done over the last decade or two decades in college basketball. And I always kind of said Brad Stevens going to the, the championship game two years in a row at Butler from the Horizon League was that, that's like a top five accomplishment in college basketball history for me. What Scott Drew has done at Baylor 
to me, is a top five accomplishment in college basketball history because it's not a one-off now. Well, yeah, and they had a player murder a teammate. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's so far away now that people almost forget. Yeah. He took that over, and they had some serious sanctions. And I, I just respect the fact that Scott has changed the way they played so much. I mean, when we played them in the NCAA tournament my freshman year, it was a track meet. I mean, it, I, I was there. Weedy Carter and, uh, you know, Curtis Gerald's and Listerius Dunn. Um, what did you put up on him? How many did you put up? I think 10. I didn't play well under the year. No, as a team. What did you guys oh, do? They were like 94 points. I they mean, were we, atrocious we, defensively. They were so bad on defense. The funniest thing was, I don't know if I ever told you this. So they went small, and they played Listerius Dunn at the four. And I had guarded only four men. It's called Marcus Landry, Goran Sutan. In the Big Ten, these slow plotters kind of, close guys, really. And so I'm guarding this Darius Dunn. They're running him on the baseline off of, like, just staggered screens. And I'm so lost. I try to shoot the gap over the top. Well, Listerius had stopped and was running out the other direction. So I'm on the opposite side of the floor of Listerius Dunn is my man. And we're watching the tape the next day and film. And Paint's like, Rob, this is horrible. Horrible. <laughs> 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 Have to lock and trail. And I'm like, dude, I haven't chased anybody all year. I I haven't done this at all. Not since high school. Um, But, yeah, they they changed up the way that that they're playing. The Villanova game, I mean, first of all, to hold those guys to 36 points. I love that they they mixed in some of that 2-3 zone where where those those wings start cheating up. And, I mean, they're a really good offensive or defensive team anyway, man-to-man. The biggest takeaway I had from the game, though, and props to, to Sean Miller, he said it. He said, give James Akinjo some time. 16 points, seven yep. rebounds, five assists, one turnover. I mean, he's, he's been the key. He's been, Without him, they're very good, but he also gives them an edge. Yeah, totally. And early, LJ Cryer played well, but now he's your he's your backup point guard. You know, we know Flagler can play. We know yep. Meyer can play. Yep. Their bigs are perfect for what they do with Thamba, Chama, Chachua. Their freshmen are talented. I mean, this is a really good team again. There's no question. They are good on both ends of the floor. They're deep. Um, and now, I mean, again, when I saw them in the preseason, I was like, all right, they're good, but I don't know if I put them in that that equation of, of a national title contender again. You know, like maybe they can win four and get to the final four, and I felt like that would probably cap them out at that point. Now I feel like, you know what, you know, just kind of their depth and their balance and their defense. That That's the part, Rob, that blew me away. It's like you're watching Jermaine, Sa- Jermaine Samuels, who's a fifth-year senior, a super senior at Villanova. Uh, too. Physically just a stud. He can't dribble. He could not dribble in that game, Rob. It was – nobody could. They couldn't get by anybody. And Villanova's not the most athletic team in the world. We know that. But they always kind of find a way to score, right? They'll drive – They'll, they'll, they'll jump stop, they'll hesitate, they'll pitch it back out. And they tried everything, and nothing worked. Nothing They couldn't create anything. Yep. No, it's Villanova, I just worry about their depth. I really like their team. I worry about when they see good bigs, too. I just think they, they're at such a disadvantage. They, they fought Purdue in those 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 dudes did all they could. But, I mean, it's just they're, they're very undersized. 
right, well, we got uh, we got a guest coming up here in a little bit that you're not going to be able to make it for. Uh, Iowa State's TJ Otzelberger. You 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 bailed on me here at the last minute because of your your, your brother's birthday. Yeah, brother's birthday. You're a good brother. You're a good. You're a good bro, Rob. I am. I'm at least for a day. What did, what do you get him for his birthday? Uh, Just your presence. He listens. I can't divulge that. Your 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 mere presence is that what you got him? No, I'll give him a present. <laughs> no, I'll give him a present for us. All right, all right. You can tell you. he listens to the podcast. I would give it away. All right, all right. Uh, before we go though, um, I got a mock draft coming out here, and and you know, I talked to a bunch of NBA guys. It's a combination. I always do the early one, a combination of kind of what I think and what NBA execs think, like not just. 100% on them, but try to mix and match it a little bit. And, um, you know, I think one, two, and three are given in whatever order you want to throw them in, right? I've got Paolo at one, Chet at two, Jabari Smith at, at three. Um, I don't know if you have any issue with that at all at this point. I mean, I think that you could flip Paolo and Chet depending on your needs and what you uh, project down the line, but no. I don't know. All right, so I want to throw number four at you. And, and, and it's why I'm wearing the hat, not just because of, of my allegiance to my alma mater, Arizona. And Kirk, my, Kirk Creasa at four for you? Kirk, Kirk Creasa is not at four, but we interviewed him the other night. He is a riot. Yo, that dude is hilarious. <laughs> he, I think he's a good player, yeah. but I think in his mind, he's like, man, I'm Jason Kidd out here. <laughs> <laughs> his swag is... But you know what? They need that, man. Yeah. Like you need a point yeah. guard that's feeling yourself and, and out there with those dudes. They got athletes all around them. Yeah, they can make shots. I, I like Kirk Creasy. So good choice of four. I, I, like I do like Kirk Creasy. He's not four. He's not four. But Ben Matherin is. And he's a guy who's absolutely been on fire lately. Um, let me give you some numbers. Um, he's averaging 18 and a half points a game, shooting 38% from three, 59 from the field, almost seven boards a game. But in the last three games, almost 28 a game, eight rebounds a game, shooting 61% from uh, the field and almost 50% from three. He torched Illinois. Um, and, and the thing, the reason I've got him at number four is I just think when you look at him, what do they want in the NBA? You want wings that can make a play. I think he's more than that. I think he's more than a three and D guy. I think he came into the year. As a 3 and D guy, I think now he's more athletic than people realize, and he can put it on the floor now. What do you think about a comparison? I just am throwing this out here. Feel free to say this is terrible. Okay. Could he be like Mikael Bridges? Mikael Bridges is a lottery pick. Or do you think better than Mikael Bridges? Better offensively. Better offensively. Not as good defensively, but better off offensively. I think he's going to be able to do more off the, off the bounce, to be honest. I, I think Mikael was and he's gotten better he's expanded his game and it helps when you've got chris paul and and devin booker and Aiton down low right like you're nobody's paying attention to you in the offensive end i think matherin i'm trying to think who I'd, I'd compare him to but he is he's a really good defender he can really shoot it he's got great positional size he's smooth he's athletic and he's only getting better so yeah are, are, do you have an issue with me putting him at four? I got him four. I got Jaden Ivey at five. I would need to look at who, like, who can you tell? Who do you got, like, six, seven, eight? Yeah. So, 
six, seven, eight right now. A lot of people have Jalen Dern at four. I, I do not. I don't see it. And I saw him a bunch last um, last summer, too. And uh, obviously Memphis is a train wreck right now. But I would take Matthew. If you get right tonight, though. Well, it's a big one. It's a big one, no doubt. Um, Jaden Har- Hardy, who's playing with the G League Ignite. Um, Patrick Baldwin, who's playing in Milwaukee. He's six nine, can shoot it from the perimeter, but hasn't really done anything. J.D. Davison at Alabama. Uh, and then Ty Ty Washington. Those are top 10 guys for me right now. You know, the, looking around at the others, no, I don't have an issue with that. I was talking to an NBA guy I know, and he was – now, this was pre-this week, yeah. pre-Illinois. But he, he said he saw him at the World Cup and, and just didn't, didn't see it, I guess. Kind of like you said about Duran. I'd love to talk to him. This was a couple weeks ago. I'd love to ask him his opinion now after seeing yeah. – what he saw, I, I saw him in, in Vegas. He was really good. Um, I want to say it was against Michigan. Played really yeah. well against Michigan. And he did. Tommy Lloyd's been on him to rebound. He's been doing that. And yeah. look, he should. I mean, this dude's, what is he, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, yeah, legit 6'6". Six, six. Legit. Yeah. He's got a good size. He's a big-time athlete. He's shooting it well. With those other names, yeah, I, I think at four, it's really I mean, he had, what he needs. But Rob, he had 25 and 10. He had 25 and 10 against Wichita, uh, 16 against Michigan. I mean, but it was, it was Wichita that he played really well in yeah. the first half, but then they kind of imploded and almost lost in the second. If you take away, if you take away his first game, he was two for 13 against Northern Arizona, and he's probably shooting, you know, high 50s overall from the field, and he was 0 for 4 from three. So that puts him at 21 of 51, yep. which is pretty damn good from three. I don't – again, I just look at, like, potential. And I feel like I this is a guy that, that again, has just started to scratch the surface. Um, they're winning at a high level. And, and Tubelos has really helped him, too. And, and Creasel, like, those guys are good. But I, I think his upside – is so high compared to these other guys. And to me, like a Jalen Duran, like he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, so he'll get some stuff done in the college game. But I think his ceiling is much lower to me than Ben Matherin. Ben Matherin can be a guy that averages 18 a game in the NBA one day. Yeah, we, we need to talk about the, the World Cup under-19 effect. Because they, good. outside of like Caleb Houston, who's having a, yeah. a solid freshman year, I guess, at Michigan. Jay Nivey. Everybody else is balling. Jake yeah. Nivey, Johnny Davis, yeah. Kennedy Chandler, yeah. Ben Matherin, Zach Eady. Now he's cooled off a little bit, but had a great World Cup. Yeah. Um, if you look at the guys, kid from Louisiana Tech. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Lofton. Kenneth Lofton. I Are we giving all the credit? Are we giving Jamie Dixon all the credit for coaching that team? I mean, yeah, it's mentoring the youth of America and whoever coached Canada. I don't know who their coach was. I don't either. Good job to both of those guys because if you played in that, um, you, you have had a, a monster year. So that's All right, so you're in on me. Ben Matherin, you got no problem with me putting him at number four. I don't have four. a problem with it. I don't, I don't have a problem. Who are you taking today? Gun to your head, Jay Nivey or Ben Matherin? I'm going to go – I think Jaden Ivey has, like, Russell Westbrook explosion type. I'm going to go Jaden Ivey. 
Yeah, he just like like we talked about. Jay Navi just needs like more reps, more maturity, more decision making. Needs to get better off the ball defensively. On the ball, he's fine. Off it, he he's got some work to do there. Yeah, no doubt. But the I mean, the one thing you know with Jay Navi is the natural ability is unquestionable, undeniable. The size, the speed, the explosiveness. The ability to make shots from deep is is an area that he's improved on this year too. So oh, he's shooting at almost forty percent. He right. might even be at forty percent. He was coming into NC State. Yeah. Um, he's really worked on his game, and and certainly has for as good as he's been, he has so much he can get better at. And I think that is the ultimate thing you're looking for when you're looking at NBA type guys. All right. Well, listen. Uh, get going. Make sure you you bring your brother that that uh, autographed uh, card. That I had, you know, that autographed three-on-three card because I'm sure he's he's yearning to to put that on his collection on the wall of of Robbie Hummel uh, memorabilia. Uh, I know I got it somewhere here. I, I don't know where I put it. What's my- crazy about those cards? And I know you're you're the biggest hater on the planet, so you're, you're gonna make fun of. Them. Hope I didn't lose it. No, here it is. Here it is. See, I got it. See, I I, I got the card. The card. The card is always with me. Here's, here's the thing that's funny about those cards. I have had more people find out my address somehow and send me those things with like return envelopes to sign. I'm like, no, we didn't even make the Olympics. <laughs> why, why would she want this? But why it's a collector's item. It never happened. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll sign them and, and ship them out. Well, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to give TJ Otzelberger um, your address. Uh, coming up here next, and and maybe he'll send you a card, and and you can sign it for him. All right, so I'm gonna um, hey, send me yours. I'm gonna put hey Jeff, f you. <laughs> Listen, happy birthday to your brother. Uh, how old is he? Uh, you don't even know. You're a horrible brother. He's about to turn twenty. <laughs> it's twenty eight or twenty nine. Twenty nine. This is sure. terrible. <laughs> this is absolutely terrible. Twenty eight, twenty nine. Born in 92, 29. Can he out-jump you? My brother has a video on YouTube of him putting it between his legs in high school and dunking. He is a, he was all-state football, played for one year, good basketball player. Um, Dan was one of those guys, and he would agree with this, so I'm not talking shit about him. He was one of those dudes that if he was in baseball season, we'd watch Sports Center in the morning. Barry Bonds has a big game. All of a sudden – He's swinging like Barry Bonds or Gary Sheffield. He's waving his bat around. McGuire, all of a sudden, he's like he can do all the stances. Yeah, his and his jumper was like that too. It would just morph from like guy to guy. Like <laughs> he's really athletic, but Dan's jumper was a, a constantly evolving thing of people he'd seen on TV. All right, we so, get we got to get Dan. We need to get Dan on the pod. Yeah, that'd be great. We could get Dan out here. We get Dan on here. Maybe, I'm maybe war stories of playing one on one on the little tykes hoop in the living room back in uh, in the late nineties. He probably dunked on you there too. <laughs> it's a miracle none of us went through the the window in the uh, family. That would have been horrible. All right, get going. Um, we'll talk to you soon next week. But uh, now up, Iowa State head coach TJ Otzelberger. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. 
Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond in the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash good. That's linkedin.com slash good to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, now please to welcome in Iowa State Head Coach TJ Otzelberger. And TJ, how about Robbie Hummel? He's all in. He's going to do you know the, the conversation here. And he bags on us because it's it's his brother's birthday. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I know playing in a, a program like Purdue, where there's a lot of integrity and character and hard work, it's really disappointing those life lessons didn't carry forward for Robbie. I think that's what Coach Painter and their staff try to do every day. So really unfortunate it didn't it didn't carry over with Robbie. It's all right. Hummel's not gonna get his paycheck this week. That's what it comes down to. And, uh, and he needs it for this podcast. This is probably what's going to keep him going. So, uh, all right, listen, 10 and 0, um, 10 and 0. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm even saying that right now, that you're 10 and 0. I mean, when I say it, is it almost shocking to you? Is it as shocking to you as it is to me and everybody else? Well, you know, I think when you come in new to a program, you have a process and a way that you want to do things. You want to institute, you know, work habits and, you know, just program foundational um, pillars, tools, whatever you want to call it, right? And so you put that process in play. You want to have the right guys. You want to start out with uh, being about the hard work and, and, and doing the fundamental things. And you don't know when the wins are going to come, but you know that if your process is sound, you have the right guys, you work hard every day and you stay the course, at some point it comes around for you. And for us, we've just been fortunate. Our guys, we started a lot of five-on-five work in June. You know, oftentimes when you bring your team in in the summer, you're doing just skill workouts or shooting workouts. And our guys committed to using our hours to do team workouts, defensive drills, breakdowns, uh, guarding the basketball, five-on-five ball screen coverages. And so what we saw is that so many of these guys are everyday guys. They trusted in that process and we're able to come together quicker than you normally would with so many new faces. And so we've certainly been fortunate how they've worked, but we didn't have a timeline on, you know, when would that start happening? How would that go in terms of wins and losses? We just felt like we're trying to build a program that's sustainable over the long haul and the wins will take care of themselves. So you get, you have a week off here. Uh, kind of a nice week around finals. Everybody tries to do it, but it, I don't know if it's good or bad for you because you're 10-0. You got some momentum. You probably want to play tomorrow. If you, could. you probably want to play every day. Um, your wife's out of town. She's the athlete in the family, let's be honest. It's not even close. Um, and, and you got the twins. You got three kids, uh, but twin twin daughters. So what's this this week like for you? Yeah, so the twins um, today, I you know, I got in line first to pick them up from school, which was pretty cool. You know, like 
there's a big waiting line and my wife educated me on like the etiquette if you don't get there first and how that goes. So uh, been able to pick them up from school. Um, you know, my daughter, uh, my one daughter, Olivia, has a dance recital tonight. So I'll be able to be part of that and take her there. So uh, with my wife and my youngest daughter, Stella, gone in Australia, it's allowed me a chance to kind of connect with the twins uh, a little bit more, have some more of that time. Um, you know, certainly my wife does a phenomenal job at keeping their schedules, making lunch, keeping everything on track. Uh, I'm just trying to wing it and make sure that I don't screw anything up too bad. But she sends me the text message. So I get the like daily, don't mess this Schedule. up. Like, right. yeah, she idiot proofs it for me on what <laughs> I need to do. She orders the groceries still. So it's not like I'm working that hard, but it's, it's from a timing standpoint, I'm fortunate personally that we don't have a game this week because I can allocate a little bit more time at home. When, when's the last time? Can you beat her in one-on-one in -on -one or, or does she kick your ass? Are there fouls? Are there rules or no? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen you, you're, you're, you put on a few LBs lately. So uh, with fouls, I think you could take her. You probably, uh, you probably got about 50 pounds on her, but uh, if it's a clean game of one-on-one, -on -one, can you beat her? Well, every coach knows that outside of recruiting, scheduling is the most important. So if I'm going to schedule that one-on-one -on -one game, it's only going to be under the rules I can win. So there won't be refs. There won't be fouls. But, uh, yeah, she's certainly the athlete of the family. I was absolutely the wannabe. Um, she's taller than me. She's tougher than me. She shoots better than me. Um, but I am fairly committed that I can foul and uh, – you know, be the enforcer in the pain. I just don't know if that'd be good for my marriage. Probably not. You probably just give up the victory there. Just, just give it up and it's not worth it. You learn over your years of marriage, right? You might've, you might've tried to beat her in the first couple of years, but now you're like, it's not worth it. Um, Wisconsin Whitewater, you were there, you played for three years and, and a lot of people don't know um, while you were there. And I don't think you were playing at the time. But there was an assistant coach named Nate Oates when you were at, at – am I wrong? He, I, Nate came right as I left. So he was coming in. He literally was hired um, when I was finishing my last year. So he had come in while I was still there in school. What, what was a young Nate Oates like back then? You know, like he is now, I mean, tr tremendous energy, like endless motor, tireless worker, um, you know, when he came on staff, he was recruiting nonstop right out of the box and somebody that was tenacious, um, put in, you know, long hours, ability to build relationships and connect. And you could just see his energy and, and like, it's not surprising the success that he's had because you get taxed everything with such tenacity and just such a blue collar work ethic. And you could see that right away when he came on as an assistant. So I remember we've known each other a long time for those watching this, uh, a long time. And I remember when uh, Steve Prom got hired at Iowa State, you were in the mix for that job. You had obviously been an assistant under Mac and Fred uh, for a while. You knew the, the lay of the land well. You were recruiting at a high level, although I don't want to give George Niang any props, but uh, you, you were the point man on the George Niang recruitment at, uh, up here at Tilton. So you don't get the job then. And, and I think you were, I don't know if hurt is the right word, but disappointed that you were hoping to get that job at that point. 
you go to South Dakota State, you go to UNLV, now you, you take it over. And I've said to everybody, I, I think this is the perfect job for you. But I guess going through all that, TJ, how much did you learn and, and how, how much more ready are you now than if you had gotten the job back then? Well, you learn so much through all those experiences, right? And I've worked for four really good head coaches that have all had a lot of success from Greg McDermott, Fred Hoiberg, Lorenzo Romar, and Steve Prohm. And been fortunate that as an assistant, those guys all empowered me and gave me a responsibility to, to learn through mistakes, whether it's game planning, breaking down films, scouting report, recruiting, you name it, scheduling. And so when the job uh, was available um, back, you know, six years plus ago, uh, I certainly wanted an opportunity because I felt like I knew Iowa State. Uh, I had recruited a lot of guys that had come here over time. Just felt like I knew what it meant to be the coach at Iowa State, both through success and through some some failures and challenges. And so when it didn't happen, certainly disappointed um, because you just feel like man, that's, that was the opportunity of a lifetime. And you don't know if it's ever going to come again. Now, I was fortunate to be retained on staff with Steve Prohm, and so I stayed for the year. And then you just never know when things are going to happen that can, that can change because I didn't know anything about South Dakota State when that opportunity presented itself. There were some relationships in between, and uh, the athletic director there, Justin Sell, who's a really good friend of mine now still, is, uh, had heard good things. And, and we got together and it, it was just a fit. And so you go through that opportunity as a head coach. Um, you go through the opportunity as a head coach at UNLV. And through those five seasons, there's some good. There's some challenges. There's some big games. There's some games that you're grinding out. And so you go through all those opportunities. You learn more about yourself. You become a better coach. You learn how to manage and coach people better. Put a staff together better. Um, you learn what things work for you basketball wise. What can you teach? What's your personality? You know, how do you bring the best out of players? And so to answer your question directly, I'm much more prepared now having those additional experiences as a head coach. Um, it doesn't mean we wouldn't have been able to be successful before, but I know now that with confidence and conviction based on those opportunities, exactly what we need to do here. And how fortunate am I to do it at a place where I've spent all those years as an assistant. I know it so well. And just the people, the administration, the fans, uh, the former players, it, it's my spot. It's, it's home for my family. So you, you went the transfer portal and you did a really good job of it. I don't think you even probably realized. Because, again, the transfer portal is a little bit of a crash. Let, let's be honest. Like you can do all, you, all your due diligence, but – especially for you, you probably hadn't recruited a lot of these guys, maybe at UNLV or some of them probably at South Dakota State. You're probably there when these kids decided where they were going to go, whether it was Brockington or Kyrsher or uh, Anaruna or, you know, but, you know, the combination of those guys in a talented freshman and Tyrese Hunter is just that. I mean, he's super talented, committed to prom. You ended up keeping him. He's a Wisconsin kid. You know, how has this group been able to kind of mesh together? And, and is it the perfect kind of way to do it? A bunch of older dudes and then one one really talented freshman. Well, for us, the first thing we did is we went through the current roster 
talked to the guys about the work habits and what it would take and tried to figure out who do we have to move forward with the start? You know, who are those guys that are pieces to the puzzle moving forward based on maturity, work ethic, toughness, you know, want to be, have that pride for Iowa State to be successful. Because if you had been here, it wasn't the experience you'd hoped for. Hilton Coliseum, we didn't have fans, so you didn't get that experience. And so we wanted to identify those guys. As we went to the transfer portal, our top priorities were maturity, um, self-awareness, and work ethic. And as we started to go through and evaluate guys, we were fortunate that our staff had relationships with some of the guys we recruited. There was some that I had a relationship with, like even a Caleb Grill, who had started five years ago when I recruited him at South Dakota State. But as we identified what guys could be a fit for us, rather than look at position, talent, uh, we really stayed with the theme of, are these guys mature? Are the, do they have the work ethic? Are they the guys that when we talk to them, they're coming and going from the gym, getting workouts, weight room. They know that it takes more. Uh, are they the guys that have a chip on their shoulder? Guys like Kelsher and Brockington, who were at programs, good programs, but they weren't the guys at the top of the scouting report. They were part of the puzzle. They weren't the guys. And they had this hunger and this passion of, we want to be the guys. Like, we want to be elevated. We want to be the guy that the wins and losses fall on our shoulder. And we know how to work every day to do that. And those guys have been terrific as everyday guys. They've helped set the tone. But guys like Enaruna or Kuntz or Robert Jones, Caleb Grill, all those guys, it was those same attributes that we felt like, are they mature? Are they self-aware? Are they going to work? Because we felt like more than trying to put the most talented roster together individually, we had to put the group together that would work together the best collectively. And we were fortunate that whether it's a George Condit who was here or Trey Jackson who was here, who have given us great leadership, been great teammates, or the Kelshers and the Brockingtons when they've come in, everybody is invested in that work and started doing that right away. So whether it's, you know, a good way to do it or not, it was the way to do it for us. And then you mentioned Tyrese Hunter. Um, there couldn't be a more mature freshman anywhere in the country that wants to get better, who cares about his teammates, who cares about team success, who truly like wants to make the right play every time. Guys talk all the time about being coachable, which for some being coachable is you've got to package it with a nice bow in a box so they can receive it the right way man, you can just go right at Tyrese Hunter, cut through all of it and just say, this is what you're going to do. That's it. Make it happen. And he looks at you with a sense of pride that he knows how to do it. So again, I'm, I'm fortunate. Our guys have embraced that work, but it, there was an intentionality to the work, the blue chip, like the blue collar mentality and the guys who wanted to have more from this experience. Did you put like any expectations on this year, like NIT, NCAA tournament? Did you did you talk to him about something? I mean, or internally even? We really didn't. And and to be honest, like if somebody were to say, like, are you shocked at the games you've won? Yeah. If you'd have asked me in June and you said, Would you be sitting in this position? Yeah, I would I would have been shocked. Yeah. But as you see the guys work every day, day after day, like Kelsher and Brockington, like they don't have a bad day. Like there's not a low energy day. There's not a bad day. There's phenomenal days. There's days that are either a nine and a half out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. 
And so what it does is it's like the iron sharpens iron. It, it raises the bar for everybody. So as we got into the games, you can never predict. I mean, when we came out for opening night, I had no idea what to expect from our group. You hope the habits are going to take over, but we played the first game. We committed, you know, more fouls than I've ever been part of in a team in a game. Cause we're excited. We turned the ball over a ridiculous amount of times. I don't even remember the numbers, but the effort and the enthusiasm was there. And I know that in that game, I said to myself, like, if our guys are going to bring it to this level every single day, it's going to show up on game night. Now we've got to get better in a few areas so we don't beat ourselves. All right. So on, on New Year's Day or Day Eve, whatever it is, on January 1st, uh, you're going to play Baylor in Ames. They're the number one team in the country right now. You've got Southeastern Louisiana and Chicago State before that. They have Oregon, uh, Alcorn State, and Northwestern State before that. You can both be undefeated. I mean, there's a good chance you're both undefeated. What what would Hilton be like? I don't want – I know you're going to give me the coach speaking. Well, we still got these two games before. I get it. You can give me the coach speak. But, like, how crazy would it be? You've been at Hilton when it's rocking. If you get Baylor, number one, coming in on January 1st, it's going to be insane, isn't it? Well, you already answered the question partially for me. So I'll, I'll kind of go into the, that part of it and then I'll, I'll answer the question the way you want me to, but like starting out, like I watch a lot of film on Southeastern Louisiana today. They play hard. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I knew players, it was coming. They pressure the basketball. They turn people over. They do some things that will give us trouble and, we need to have a great day of practice each day. We've talked to our guys about how every day matters, and we're certainly not going to deviate. And then as we move forward from that game, um, shoot, the job they're doing at Chicago State this year, like they're not the team that we, we've thought of them in the past. Like they're, they've got a plan. They're playing hard. They're winning basketball games. So if we're fortunate enough to have great practices the next few days that lead into those games, and we're fortunate enough to do the job on each of those nights, um, you know, where we've been very uh, fortunate as a team is there's nothing like Hilton Coliseum. And I would like to drag you out here because I know that you're I, we've known each other a long time. And I know you've got a lot of places to be and you can't be everywhere. And there's a lot of other games. The problem this year. Hey, the problem this year is a lot of those places have to involve my daughter, who's a senior in high school. So this is a tough year. We got it. She got in Arizona State. We got to get to Arizona State. She just got into Penn State. These aren't easy places to get to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best. I promise. Well, you know how I much how much I respect you as a parent. How cool it is to see what your daughter's doing. And every time I see the work that you do, I'm that much more excited for you with your daughter because I can see that bond and her continuing uh, to so grow. And yeah. she's a young woman now. It's crazy to think. So crazy. that's really cool. But like. You know, we had a terrific environment um, last week at home when we played a rival team of ours who plays in the Big Ten. We had an unbelievable crowd. It was a sellout. Uh, the fans were, I mean, you talk about Hilton Magic, it was there. So I've been fortunate to be part of some of those games here in this, uh, in this awesome environment. And we would anticipate, regardless of what Baylor does between now and then, and regardless of what we do, that our fans will come out and they will support us because – our group is a group that's going to play hard. They're going to compete. They're going to die for loose balls, take charges, make energy plays. And I know that people in Iowa and central Iowa, 
you know, they relate to our team that way. And, and we're fortunate that they're going to continue to come out and support us. And our guys are going to keep earning it through their efforts. Well, I, I could say this. It was a lot easier uh, for you to get me to Vegas uh, where I could play blackjack at the Cosmopolitan. You could, you know, take me to dinner at STK Steakhouse. <laughs> I, I don't know where you're going to take me in Ames. Do you have a big time steakhouse in Ames? We do. We have a place, Ant Mogs, that we really like. Uh, we take recruits there. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. They've got some steaks, some seafood. Blackjack? Love- we got any blackjack there? In Ames? Uh, no blackjack. No blackjack, but... You know, we could try to figure it out. You can go down to Des Moines. There's uh, Prairie Meadows Casino down in Des Moines. There's some others throughout Iowa. You'll find your way. All right. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Be- be- before we go, I cannot let you leave without telling your favorite George Niang story. All right. And and it it can't be a positive one. Like, we don't need when, – whenever I talk about George, I still love to tweet out the, the picture that he was so dumb to give me. Of I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah, yeah, I, oh yeah. The one with him as a kid. Oh, oh and he yes. wrote Michigan, but he he misspelled it with his kind of flabby uh, yeah. gullet as a twelve-year-old George Niang. Yeah. Like, why would he be dumb enough to get like that's going to go out every year? Every year I'm going to tweet that out. Well, I'll tell you this. So I was fortunate last year. There was a game in Utah that you know, the Jazz were playing against the Nuggets. Now, mind you, I've been in this bubble as I've gotten the the Iowa State job, and you're just like, head down working, head down working. So I get to uh, Salt Lake. I'm with Coach Byers, who's on our staff, and we're going to watch a game. It's George Yang and Matt Thomas playing against Monte Morris, and then one of our other former players, Dustin Hogue, came down and met us, and Naz Long came to meet us. It was really cool to get everybody together. Yeah. So I get there and Dennis Lindsay, the, you know, the GM of, of Utah, he comes to me and goes, Hey, I got a few items for you. And I had no idea that George Niang's nickname was the minivan in Utah. And so he brings this sweatshirt and it's got George's face with like the minivan behind it. Right. And so like, I had no idea that was a thing. Now, trust me, I'm not into body shaming, but George, based on at points in time what his body may have been judged by others, some would be surprised that he's had the success he has. Now, when you see how he works every day, how tough, how smart, how competitive, you're just like, yeah, you don't ever see that. Like there's, you don't coach multiple George Niangs, right? Like his, the ingredients he has are so special. But what I will say is I'm wearing this hoodie as we're walking to the game from our hotel and I'm wearing it at the game because I'm just like dying how funny this is that I have the minivan and people are coming up to me. Hey, we love the minivan, minivan. And other people have the shirt on. And I'm like, I didn't know it was a thing till I got there. And then I'm like obsessed minivan. So like when I'm seeing other people now, I'm yelling minivan, the minivan. So it was pretty remarkable. You know, the thing with George again is, um, he's just got a way of connecting with people so well, right? Like he does everything the right way. Uh, he obviously worked to get to where he is and, and to be able to stay in the league. It looked for a while, like he may not. Um, but, but he's just so good with people with being real and that's hard to do, right? That's it's a difficult thing to do is, is I've always said that I, I can't do it. I offend too many people. George really does it. 
Well, I think the two things is, you know, he's so real based on how he works, how he does things, how he treats people, please and thank yous, hold doors, like he's a complete gentleman, right? And so everything about George is authentic and he's comfortable in his own skin. And he he knows and he knew when he wanted to embark on the journey of the NBA, what an uphill battle that would be. But I remember even when he first started working out with NBA players and he would say, I got to speed up my shot. I can't get this shot off anymore. I'm going to have to play with my hands higher on defense. He's so self-aware that he eliminates his weaknesses where some guys say, well, I can still take that. I can make that. I'm better than this guy. He has such a humility to him and self-awareness that he works tirelessly to eliminate weaknesses. But as a human being, there's not a better guy. There's not, I mean, there's no better ambassador for our program. I mean, he was with us in Barclays. He came down for a championship game in the preseason NIT. He was here in the summer for camps. He's here in the fall for football games. Like George Niang put his stamp on this program that didn't just last for the four years he was here. It will impact us for many years going forward. But that's just who George is as a person. If you come in touch with him, he, he has that impact on you for a long time. Yeah, you will not find a, a better human being than, than George Nang. I know, you know, it's funny doing my job. You're supposed to be objective, right? It, it's hard. It's hard to be objective when you've known these kids since. You know, I remember the first time I ever saw him, I went to Tilton for, for open gym. And I'm there, obviously, to see New Orleans and, and Wayne Selden. I'm not there. I didn't even know who George Nang was. And in between games, I'm talking to Nerlens, you know, just for a few minutes on the sideline. And all of a sudden, this dude yells at Nerlens to get the hell back in the game. And I'm like, who is this chubby little friggin' kid? Like, and I looked at Nerlens. I'm like, who is that? He's like, yeah, it's George Niang. I'm like, you know, I think he was a full pay kid then. I think it was his first year. He was full pay. And then I started to watch him. I'm like, who is this asshole? You know, who, who's yelling at, at New Orleans and me to finish off. And the dude never came off the court the entire day. He won every single game. And, and that's kind of how it was at BABC. And, and uh, listen, you, you, you got a little lucky, uh, to be honest. You did get a little lucky getting in there as early as you did. Because if you didn't, it was going to be a battle to keep him. Well, the one thing I'll say is George hurt recruiting when he was here. Because when we'd have recruits that would come on campus, whether it was they wanted to work out or get shots or play pickup with our guys, George was so competitive. You know how, like, if your guys are going to play as every coach, you kind of like, hey, you know, maybe give the recruit an extra shot or two or whatever. Like, George can't do it. Like, he's the guy that's <laughs> going to, like, the family volleyball game and spiking the ball on his niece's face and breaking her nose. Like, he, he tried to beat my daughter in ping pong at my house when my daughter was like 10, she beat his ass. And I don't, wow. I, I don't let him forget it. <laughs> Terrible ping pong player. Terrible. <laughs> no, it's, so what, uh, what, what do you got? What do you got going this week before, uh, when does your wife get back from Australia soon or no? How many more? Yeah. So she won't be back until after Christmas. So, um, you know, we'll be fortunate. My family's coming out here to Iowa and, um, Good. you know, we'll spend the time with the twins. And when my wife and my other daughter return home, um, you know, after the holidays, we'll, we'll do our Christmas together then. And, um, you know, we're fortunate. We're fortunate for everything that we have. We're fortunate for the opportunities we have. And so um, it's important right now that we support our family. My wife uh, supports family um, back in Australia and, and, and handles things there. And, um, and we'll get together when, when, when we're able.
Well, you also may be fortunate that you avoided uh, Robbie Hummel on the podcast. So that, that, that's another one that you, you you dodged a bullet. Now, Robbie, I put Robbie in the same class as, as George. I mean, very, very similar. And for me, it's kind of cool because, again, I cover Robbie when he was, you know, with the SYF players in, in AU ball. So to be able to do this with him, the podcast has been pretty cool. And um, But listen, it's also been cool to watch you start out, you know, 10 and 0 when I think everybody did not see that happening. And I think there's still a lot of people that think that the bottom is going to drop out. And it sounds like you do not think that's going to happen at all because of, again, the work ethic, the approach, enough talent, but this is a team that's, that's playing well together and, and just, again, taking everything kind of day by day. Yeah. And you've, you've got to keep those work habits up. You can't let this, you know, the winds affect you. You've got to keep guys healthy. I mean, right now it's, it's the physical health in terms of injuries. It's also the, you know, the NBA now you're starting to see some of the COVID, you know, related things. And so there's so many variables to come into play. It's a very long season. Um, I do know this. Our guys work really hard every day. They enjoy playing together uh, and their work habits have been consistent. So whatever that means in terms of the outcomes, I know the Big 12 is, you know, it's the best league in the country. It doesn't matter if you do it by the eye test or you do it by the analytics. It is. So we're going to have a lot of tough nights and it's going to be a grind, but I'm confident with our group. We're ready for that challenge and, and we'll see where it goes. All right. Iowa State head coach TJ Otzelberger, appreciate you joining us and uh, happy holidays. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jeff.